Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today on the program, Pastor Larry and Marvin McIlvaney will look at the latest headlines from the end times, and Larry Stamm will share his insight into how we can be ready to share the good news with those we'll encounter this holiday season. As you and your family prepare for Thanksgiving and Christmas, remember to check out all of the Bible-based and Christ-centered gifts that are available on our website, swrc.com. With over 1,000 items, you can do your Christmas shopping and, at the same time, support Watchmen on the Wall. We have gifts from Jerusalem, Christmas-themed movies, and a huge selection of books and DVDs. SWRC.com. Shop for friends and family and support the ministry and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall. SWRC.com. There's so much happening in the news. How do we make sense of all the nonsense that's around us? Pastor Larry and Marvin McIlvenny are here to help with today's look at Headlines from the End Times. This just in. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has stepped down. She said that she will not seek a leadership position in the new Congress, making way for a new generation to steer the party after Democrats lost control of the House to Republicans in the midterm elections. This is certainly good news. Pelosi announced in a speech on the House floor that she will step aside after leading Democrats for nearly 20 years. Pelosi said, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hour has come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. Now, she said, we must move boldly into the future. Pelosi received a standing ovation after her remarks, and lawmakers and guests, one by one, went up to offer her hugs, many taking selfies of this moment in history. During her remarks, Pelosi recapped her career from seeing the Capitol the first time as a young girl with her father, a former congressman and mayor, to serving as speaker alongside U.S. presidents and doing the people's work. Every day I am in awe of the majestic miracle that is American democracy, she said. Her father was Thomas D. Alessandro, Jr., an American politician who served as the 39th mayor of Baltimore from 1947 to 1959. He also represented Maryland's 3rd Congressional District from 1939 until 1947. Thank God. I thought she would never leave. I think that will help to ease some of the hostility between the parties. Maybe. It's going to be hard to forget Pelosi tearing up the State of the Union speech Trump gave February 4, 2020. Well, I suppose the next big news would have to be Donald Trump announcing that he is going to run for president again in 2024. I think by just mentioning his name invokes a reaction from everyone who hears it. Some people will probably be saying, oh no, here we go again. Some people will be overjoyed, and some people probably won't care one way or the other. I don't know that I'm overjoyed, but at least he'll make things interesting. I'm anxious to see how the Democrats will try and accuse him of something else. Whatever they come up with, the mainstream media will take it and run with it. He's probably the most investigated candidate ever. Well, we all remember that Robert Mueller's investigation did not find sufficient evidence that Trump's campaign coordinated with Russia 
to influence the United States 2016 election. In fact, I don't think they found any evidence at all. The evidence they did find showed that Hillary Clinton was actually the one who started it all. That's right, Pastor Larry. The Clinton campaign created the allegation and gave it to the press. The press failed to confirm the allegations, but ran with them anyway. They promoted the story as if it were legitimate news. The Clinton campaign also gave the claims to the FBI, giving the mainstream media another excuse to paint the accusations as serious and maybe even true. Most of the press ignored this, but the Russian-Trump collusion that Mrs. Clinton sowed the seeds of did enormous harm to the country. It sent the country on a three-year investigation to nowhere. I don't think Putin could have done a better job. Just before Trump's announcement of a new presidential bid Tuesday, former Vice President Mike Pence called Trump's actions leading up to the January 6th Capitol riot reckless. Pence also implied that the GOP should go in a different direction in 2024. In an interview with ABC News, Pence talked about what happened on January the 6th when a group of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol. Pence, who was there to certify the count, recalled a conversation he had with the president that morning where he told the president he doesn't, quote, have the authority to reject votes during the electoral count and return those votes to the states, close quotes. It's very amusing to me that recently, President Biden declared in a speech that former President Donald Trump and many of his supporters are, quote, a threat to the very foundations of our republic. So really, since it was a close election, Biden is saying that half of the country is a threat to the other half. Well, that's right, Marvin. And that's exactly what Senator Marco Rubio, a Republican out of Florida, tweeted after the speech by Biden. He tweeted, Angry man smears half of the people of the country he is supposed to lead and promise to unite. You know, Marvin, a lot of people ask me if if baby Christians should not be involved in politics. They ask, are Christian conservatives who support Donald Trump confusing the temporary for the eternal? And as if on cue, I see a new book by my friend Michael Brown has just come out. It's called The Political Seduction of the Church, How Millions of American Christians Have Confused Politics with the Gospel. Now, in this book, author and radio host Michael Brown looks at whether the Trump political climate has hindered believers in Jesus from carrying out the Great Commission. Brown says he voted for Trump in both 2016 and 2020 elections and wants people to know there's nothing wrong with being involved in politics as long as the ultimate goal is advancing God's kingdom, not man's. Now, I do believe Christians should be involved in politics and should have a positive impact on politics, but somehow, especially in the last election cycle, we became obsessed with politics, Brown said. We became more concerned with winning the election than winning the loss. Now, of course, It's important to remember that whoever is in government can either hinder or make it a lot easier to preach the gospel. So once again, yes, we must be involved in politics. Also funny to me is how you just mentioned Trump's name and people have a reaction, good or bad. It's the same with the name of Jesus. When you say it, it provokes a reaction. Take, for instance, this story out of Florida. A Florida high school employee says she's not okay 
after a colleague painted a Bible verse in their personal parking space. The parking spot at Wiregrass Ranch High School has Philippians 4.13 painted on it, according to NBC News. The verse, one of the most widely quoted of the New Testament, reads, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Marina Gentilesco, who works as an instructional assistant at the school, told NBC that seeing the parking spot every day with that particular verse recalls memories of stories from her parents about the Holocaust. Quote, I feel like it's attacking me as a Jew, she said. You put it on state-funded property. I'm not okay with it. According to the local news affiliate, Gentilesco said it was specifically the use of the word Christ that impacted her. I was startled by it, she was quoted as saying. I was very upset by it. Why in the world would that name upset anybody? I think the good news part of this story is that despite Gentilesco voicing her concerns to school officials, it appears there are no plans to alter or remove the verse from the parking space. Pasco County School spokesman Stephen Hegarty said to his knowledge, Gentilesco is the only staff member who has questioned the appropriateness of the message in the parking space. Hegarty explained that students and staff are given the opportunity to personalize their parking space with a quote, a phrase, or an image. So long as the saying or image is not in poor taste, it is considered personal expression, said Hergerty. In this case, the staff member painted a religious message. Since it is not in poor taste, is not of a proselytizing nature, and is not related to curriculum, it doesn't violate any of our policies, close quotes. It's not clear if Genelesco will pursue any further action. A representative for the Jewish Community Relations Council said that it's unlikely the parking space would constitute a violation of the First Amendment because it's not related to the school curriculum. Because the school is giving the teachers and the students a certain level of freedom to decorate their own space or to individualize their own space, it doesn't necessarily run into a violation of the Establishment Clause, JCRC Chair Jonathan Ellis was quoted as saying. I wonder what will happen, though, when someone writes a political slogan or says something about abortion on their parking space. People feel very strongly about politics and religion. Abortion is one of those issues that is both a political and a moral issue. If you think about it, most of the political issues these days are moral issues. Maybe this should be a public service announcement, but did you know that since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, it's caused more women to use the so-called day-after pill, and it's not good? Well, that's right, Marvin. The nation's largest abortion provider, Planned Parenthood, promotes chemical abortions as a safe and effective way to end a first-trimester pregnancy. After the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, some groups like Aid Access in Austria have been sending abortion pills by mail to Americans across the country. These abortion pills are being mailed without women first consulting with a doctor to discuss health risks. The longer into a pregnancy a woman is when she takes the abortion pill, the less likely they are to be effective at expelling the pregnancy. Two women who were interviewed about these chemical abortions looked for healing because of the emotional trauma that resulted from terminating their pregnancy. 
Chrissy Spivey said she wasn't warned about the amount of blood loss she was going to suffer. She said it turned a bathroom stall into what she described as a crime scene after a murder. There is nothing natural or safe about it, Spivey said. Essentially, you become your own abortionist, and nothing can prepare you for how traumatizing that is. Your safe place, whether it be your home or your workplace, becomes a graveyard. The emotional toll that it takes, the trauma that happens in those places that are supposed to feel safe, you've been robbed of. You've been robbed of so much more than the life of your child. You've been robbed of your safe place. Well, that's very, very powerful. I mean, I certainly would not take any medication sent from another country, especially when it comes to something as crucial as an abortion. I mean, you know, brother, this is kind of like giving yourself an appendectomy. You need to check out this whole thing with your doctor. Taking pills from Austria? (laughs) These people are killing themselves. I have an article here that a woman is outraged that her image is being used to promote abortion in an ad that features Hillary Clinton and California Governor Gruesome Newsom. The ad promotes California's Proposition 1. The ballot measure would, quote, set in stone abortion into California's Constitution if a majority of voters approve. Macy Petty, the pro-life activist seen in the Prop 1 ad, publicly shared her reaction to seeing it in an October the 20th post on Twitter, writing, Hey Hillary, I'm the girl crying in this video. I am pro-life, and those are happy tears because I just witnessed a miracle. The video shows scenes from the nation's capital and across the U.S. after the court's decision. Four seconds into the ad, which has already been viewed on Twitter nearly 170,000 times, shows Petty kneeling on the ground, sobbing outside the Supreme Court building with the word sad imposed above her. The ad wrongly presumes that Petty was crying uncontrollably because the court had overturned Roe. In reality, she was overcome with joy at the court's decision. In an interview, Petty explained that she first saw the video last week and it reminded her of the gratitude she felt toward the Lord for bringing about the decision. Quote, I'm part of a generation of pro-life activists, she said. My mom worked at a pregnancy center, and my grandma started one. So it's in my blood. And I was just so grateful to be there to witness it, because there are so many people who were in the fight before me who didn't get to witness it. That's wonderful, really is, you know. There's a whole new generation of young people that are pro-life. It seems like so many young people do not realize that life really is about life and death. They seem to think that if they dye their hair purple and they can get on the internet and stare at their phones, that life is good. I don't think they know how close we came the other day to World War III. That's right, Pastor Larry. The headline said, Stray missile that killed two in Poland is highly likely to have been fired by Ukraine, easing fears of World War III escalation. Wow, when they start printing World War III in the headlines, you can bet they are very close to actually doing it. The missile which hit Poland yesterday killing two people was probably launched by Ukrainian air defense. Western leaders have said that the strike could drag NATO into direct conflict with Russia. Polish President Duda, speaking after a meeting of his Security Council Wednesday, 
said he has seen no evidence the missile was fired by Russia and it was in fact highly probable the Soviet-era S-300 rocket that it came from Ukraine. The news came after a nervous night in which it looked like NATO and Russia could be heading for a direct confrontation that would have risked triggering World War III. It underlines the risk that a single mistake or miscalculation in Ukraine could spark such a conflict. The Bible says the last days will be perilous. It's getting pretty scary to me. Well, friends, it is becoming clearer and clearer every day. What man does apart from God turns into a disaster. When will we learn? When will stubborn atheists, non-believers, and radicals surrender their foolish fancies and say, we were wrong, we've made a mess of the world? But how about you, dear friend? Have you learned? Have you seen the futility of life without God? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Lots of things will then make sense. And as the Bible tells us, you will have that peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, gentlemen, for keeping us informed and focused on what is really important, God's Word. I wanted to let you know that our new 16-month calendar is here. We've been sending them out all over the country. It's based on the book and television series, Jewish Roots of Christianity. This calendar will encourage and inspire. Beautiful pictures and daily scripture make this calendar a perfect Christmas gift for family and friends. Order your calendar today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. The author of this year's calendar is author and teacher Larry Stamm. Larry's here to continue his look at how you and I can break down the barriers to sharing our faith with others. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you are joining us as we continue our series, Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. In the last several lessons, we've been talking about foundational principles for personal evangelism, namely that evangelism is a process, a heart issue, and a team thing. Today, we address the reality that evangelism is a team thing. Oftentimes, we as Christians may feel that we're on an island and that we have to do it all, and we put this unnecessary burden upon ourselves, an unnecessary yoke, if you will. I have to do it all. I have to get them to see the light. I have to get them to understand. And we don't realize that we have God with us. We have the Spirit in us. We have the Spirit of God moving through us, that evangelism is a team thing. We don't do it all. On the flip side, we just don't trust that God's the author of salvation. He's going to do everything. I don't have to do anything because Jesus said, I will build my church. Well, friends, I want to challenge you with this notion. You and I, as the church body, we are God's vessels of grace. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are the ones that bring the gospel. We are the ones who love people tangibly. We are to take our theology and make it biology. By the way, the church is God's plan for redeeming lost mankind. Newsflash, there is no plan B. So we don't trust God to do it all. 
You and I participate in the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. So evangelism is a both and. We play a part and the Lord plays a part and we work together. And be encouraged. We also encourage one another, you and I together. You may sow gospel seed. You may invite somebody to church and the pastor preaches a message and then someone will go home and they'll watch a Christian program or they'll go on the internet. And typically it takes somebody, missiologists tell us, seven clear gospel presentations in general before a person will receive Jesus Christ. And again, it exemplifies and amplifies the principle I shared in earlier lessons that evangelism is a process. Make no mistake, evangelism is a team thing. At the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls the first disciples. In Matthew 4.18, the word of God says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then the word of God says, They immediately left their nets and followed him. So here we see Jesus, he calls the disciples, he says, Follow me, and what? I will make you fishers of men. In future lessons, we're going to talk about what Jesus actually meant when he said, I will make you fishers of men. But notice, it's a both and. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the Lord is not only with us, the Lord is in us and the Lord is working through us. So that's at the beginning of his earthly ministry. Near the end of his earthly ministry in Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So Jesus says, Go and make disciples, and I am with you through the person of the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So know that we have the Spirit dwelling within us and the Spirit working in and through us. So evangelism is a team thing. And again, often a person is going to have interactions with a number of Christians. I told you there were three significant witnesses to me in my journey to Jesus. There was my friend Greg in college, and then near the end of my college career, my undergrad college career, there was a gentleman named Herb, and he spent six weeks as a sales associate for an ABC affiliate in Gainesville, Florida. He was sowing gospel seed into my life. Then there was a gentleman named Steve on an airplane. Those were three people. How many people in your life were instrumental in you coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus? Hopefully, you can see very clearly evangelism is a team thing. We don't do it alone, nor do we just trust God to do it all. It's a both and. We are called to work, and we trust that the Lord is working in and through us. A couple of side notes as we close this lesson. You know, Jesus said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. But Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13 that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Also note that evangelism is not based on personal ability or a particular formula. Evangelism is done in and through the power of God. 
to encourage you also know that God has made you and I adequate to meet the task, whatever it is, including the task of witnessing to others. In 2 Corinthians 3, verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul wrote, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. And then finally, we know that God's grace is sufficient for us in all things. Also of note, in regards to the fact that evangelism is a team thing as we close our time today. You and I are part of the body of Christ. We as believers are all part of the body of Messiah, the body of Christ. We make up the church. And the body is diverse and yet has a unity of purpose. You and I are all members of the same body, yet we represent different parts and have different functions. So, for example, in the evangelistic process, you may be a prayer warrior, and you know prayer has a significant impact upon the evangelistic endeavor. You may have the gift of works. You may have the gift of hospitality, and good works plays a powerful role in the evangelistic process. And then you may have the gift of gab. You may have be a powerful orator. You may be able to talk really well. We all are part of the body of Christ. So it's a team thing. Friends, next time we're going to talk about the gospel message, the most important message in the world. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Until next time, the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Shalom. Let's take a moment together and listen to today's Creation Minute with author and scholar Dr. Carl Ball. Let's talk a minute. We understand according to modern evolutionary thought, that caveman was brute, was in the process of evolving to his modern would-be that we are today. Yet, man has always lived in caves. In the Yellow River region of China today, some 20 million people are still living in caves. Now, that's the best place to be because they're able to systematically compress these to the point where they don't need additional support. Some of them have modern comforts such as plumbing, electricity, and even cable television. 20 million people in China attest to the fact that living in a cave is not so bad at all. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 9 in the Bible says, then he came there to a cave and lodged there. The Bible again is born out to be true. More details on effective evangelism are available in Larry Stamm's book, Serving in His Court. Order your copy today, 1-800-652-1144. Another outstanding resource from Larry Stamm is the book, Into the Gale, 12 Evangelistic Lessons from the Book of Acts. Taking lessons from the first century church, Larry Stamm shows how the 21st century Christian can still take a stand for Christ. Order both Serving in His Court and into the gale when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order these resources online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, we continue our new series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy, with teacher Steve Butler. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.